Archimax login confirmed. Welcome to the Lodge. You've accessed the LodgeCast experience. Warning, warning. Dangerous spoilers ahead. Enjoy. Episode 18. Sorry to bother you. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Lodgecast. I'm your Lodgemaster. With me as always is Brother Bieszki. What up? And Brother Lucas. Hi there. Tonight we got a fan favorite special guest. A brother Zach. Zach Three Timers Club. Welcome. Three Pete. Uh, tonight, uh, sorry to bother you, but tonight's movie is Sorry to Bother You. Did you say that because I'm Canadian? Is that why you I... <laughs> now, yes. Instinctively. That is a, I instinctively brought out the Canada there. But what is this movie about? <laughs> what is this movie about? I know... It's a Netflix movie, right? No. No. I know basically nothing about it. Um, I saw the trailer and I turned it off halfway through because I thought it looked annoying. I, I think I'm getting. I'm, I don't know anything about this movie, but I thought it was a Netflix movie where Danny Glover's like, you got to talk like white people to get him on the phone, and it cut to him like doing a little like white guy like impersonation, and Lakeith Stanfield was listening. Am I am I crazy? Zach, no, you're correct. Set us straight, Zach. Well, I think I'm that, ready where, to set you straight. Where, where did but I see that how promo? How straight do you want I me only... to set you before we watch? I guess the film. I guess don't tell us too much. Okay, but... I'll just tell you a few a few nuggets. Yeah. Uh, ever since I heard about this movie. I've been very keen to see it. This is true. I've known Boots Riley, the writer-director, is a member of the West Coast underground rap group, The Coop, which has been making music since the early 90s. And until today, until Zach sent me some songs, my only exposure to The Coup was their scarily accurate album cover of the World Trade Center exploding right. for their album that was released... In September of 2001, I believe. That's correct. And they <laughs> and they pulled it back and put a new, put, put yeah. a new cover on it. Yeah. Um, but they're kind of like, yeah, they, you know, they were not obviously as famous as like a public enemy, but he, his music's always been political. It's always been anti-capitalist. It's conscious rap. Yeah, I mean, but it's tough too. It's not like. And there's humor. There's humor. It's it's kind of surreal. Uh, he plays with tropes of gangster rap culture, but it's not all sarcastic. It's not all satire. Um, but anyway, so this movie, uh, we'll let Brother Bishke do the synopsis afterwards, but it is it is about his experience uh, working in a call center. Okay. And okay. it... And, and That's it, where I'm headed. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and both of his parents growing up were in um, formative civil rights groups in the 60s. His father, I believe, was a founding member 
member of the NAACP in Durham, North Carolina, okay. when he was like 11 or 12 years old. Okay. So he's got deep roots in activism. He's a communist, I believe. Oh, wow. And My uh, late uncle was a communist. Yeah. So he's he's an interesting cat. Is his first film, and Lakeith Stanfield is the lead. I'm very excited. I just heard this movie's nuts. Same. Yeah. Same. I, 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 I guess... Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Because, yeah, I guess I've only seen that one little 30-second promo, and I assumed it was contemporary or, or offbeat. But then, yeah, someone... Like, there's like a word of mouth, very positive, that's going around. And someone was like, oh, it's this, this, and this. And I was like, oh, wow, I did not know any of that. So I'm really curious and excited to see what's what's in store. And we're seeing it at the very white Glendale Galleria. <laughs> well, white, Where we saw Get Out. White and Armenian. White and um, Armenian, yeah. But definitely... Definitely a strange venue for this. We were going to go to North Hollywood tonight. We still will at some point. We're going to take you guys to different theaters, far-flung theaters. But tonight, due to scheduling, we are at the Americana. I'm sorry. <laughs> It'll be an interesting It'll audience. be the same film. We'll, keep, we'll, we'll shield you from the Sinatra loops. <laughs> yes. In a way, it's really perfect, given what I know about the movie, that we're seeing it where we're seeing it. And in the center of is, commerce. It's some and, sort of yeah, subversive yeah. meta commentary. And we've got the crooning, bow-tied uh, <laughs> lounge singer of, of, like, you know, when America was great a- mm-hmm. before. Old blue eyes. <laughs> Yeah, so it's gonna it's gonna be a treat. It's it's a great cast, and the people that do the white voices, I won't spoil it, are also <laughs> I, I heard very about enticing. That. Um, so nice. Have yeah. you guys ever? I know Lucas, you said you're heading there, but have you guys ever worked in a call center? Have you guys gone down that? No, yeah, I did. I worked uh, Daymark. Uh, well, oh shit! Uh, it was a magazine, uh, or is it magazine subscription service where yeah. you trick people into signing up for the preferred buyers program? Oh man! And it was rough. That was my first job. And did you have to? They told you ways to manipulate. Yeah, and I caught on. I felt bad after a while because I was like, "This is, this is terrible." But anyway, I got out of there pretty quick and got a job at uh, A&W Root Beer. Oh, that's yeah. better. Yeah, that helps. That's, that's better on all fronts. Better product. Yeah. Root Beer floats. More honest. Yes. I worked. Uh, Caffeine free too. I worked with uh, Lodge sister Emily and Lodge brother Zamzo at the Finger Hut call center. Oh, they were a competitor, Daymark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if I would have known, across town probably, and it was bad. It, we sold shitty products to people who didn't have credit cards. So we'd give them our own proprietary credit card, Ooh, and then the shit yeah. would uh, break. And they'd call me and Eric and Emily and say, my shit broke, what can you do? And we'd say, nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> now you owe more money uh, oh, call to, centers. to pay oh. off the debt. So, yeah, I... Lucas, don't go there if you no, can. I'm not. If you can you help, just convince me not to. If no, you can well, help, that sounds it. super dark. It's gonna hurt. Pass. But uh, I'm excited for this movie. I think we're all excited. We got a little little string of good buzz movies that we're seeing lately. So hopefully, uh, and this ho- one's living on the edge. It's not like a prestige. Sure. It's like he's 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 going. He's swinging for the fences. It's, it's with scrappy. Yeah. yeah Scorched dirt. Yeah. yeah. Love it. We're gonna go get bothered. We're gonna go get hot and bothered, or cool and bothered in the AC. And uh, we'll see you on the other side. We'll see what all this means. Peace. Peace. Wouldn't let me say the words I know to say. You didn't want to see life through my eyes. Don't repress yourself. You tried to shove me back inside your narrow room. Inside.
use your white voice. Man, I ain't got no white voice. Oh, come on, you know what I mean. You have a white voice in there, you can use it. It's like when you're pulled over by the police. Oh, no, I just use my regular voice when that happens. I just say, back the fuck up off the car and don't nobody oh, get out. Right, man, I'm just trying to give you some game. You want to make some money here? Then read the script with a white voice. When people say I talk with a white voice anyway, so why ain't it helping me out? Well, you don't talk white enough. I'm not talking about Will Smith's wife. I'm talking about the real deal. Like this young blood. Hey, Mr. Kramer, this is Langston from Regal View. I didn't catch you at the wrong time, did I? Uh, sorry to bother you, but we are back. Back in attack. Sorry, but we're back. <laughs> back from our shift. We are, uh... At the call center. Outside the, uh, Americana. We saw the fountain show. The late night fountain show. Everybody was taking selfies, taking movies of a fountain. It's beautiful. It was beautiful. Uh, we saw a weird fucking movie. Bizarro. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bonkers. Put, I'm gonna put bananas. that out there. I'm gonna put that out there. Um, I saw Darren Aronofsky's mother at this theater. Oh. Liter like, literally? For I real? did. How do you know what she looks like? No, his movie, Mother. Sorry. Oh! <laughs> sorry. Don't forget that one. Mother! Yes, sorry. I didn't have the exclamation point in my voice. But <laughs> I think that was maybe the weirdest movie I'd seen here until tonight. Brother Bishke, what's the snaps? The snaps from Rotten Tomatoes. In an alternative present-day version of Oakland, black telemarketer Cassius Green, Lakeith Stanfield, discovers a magical key to professional success which propels him into a macabre universe of power <laughs> calling that leads to material glory. But the upswing in Cassius's career raises serious red flags with his girlfriend, Detroit, Tessa Thompson, a performance artist and minimum wage striver who's secretly part of a Banksy-style activist collective. As his friends and co-workers organize in protest of corporate oppression, Cassius falls under the spell of his company's cocaine-snorting CEO, Steve Lift, Army Hammer, who offers him a salary beyond his wildest dreams. There it is. Mm -hmm. That's mm. Uh, that's quite the snops. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and Sluice, did you have a word of warning to our listeners? Yeah, I just think, if you're thinking about seeing the movie, see the movie, and, and do, do pause because there's some delightful things we'll be discussing. There's some surprises that we're going to spoil the fuck out. And of. Yeah, and yeah. they were I am so glad I they weren't spoiled for me. That's if, all I'm going to say. If if you're in if you're an official lodge member, I'm not not to say anything of the of my bone count, but I consider this required viewing. So, go check it out. That said, whew, first impressions as this movie started unspooling. Zach, what did you feel? As we were getting into this world. Well, I will say that, you know, he goes big from the <laughs> jump. And it's like early on, within the first moments when Cassius is at the call center, you see some dudes behind him with papers just flying and Xerox flashes going. And it's like zany from the jump. He establishes the tone. It's it's Pretty a wild quickly. it's a wild tone like anything can happen semi magical realism manic stuff. realism yeah like and Terry Gilliam Spike Jones but all his own at the same early time. Carl Reiner I mean Zucker Brothers it's definitely yeah, yeah heightened and, uh, and and so at times because also it's very much a first film mm -hmm. but at times 
the budget can't it can't quite do the lifting that he's asking of it yet for me the spirit is so excited to to share with you that it's that it's that it's delightful although at times also the pacing is herky-jerky and the things don't land the way i know he was hoping for them to lucas timing wise are you going to bestow your famous label on this yeah, yeah, it's funny. I, I was like, man, I, uh, Zach's hitting the nail on the head. I, I agree with everything Zach is saying. And, 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 yeah, the word I have is like, you know, it's a student feature. There we go. Yeah. Uh, student feature. I really, yeah. threadbare. I mean, it looks very, very inexpensive and, and, and very, uh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you to task with that very inexpensive part in a little bit, but I do agree that you you know immediately that this is an independent film. Ambitious as fuck. That it's ambitious. Very ambitious. You know pretty early on that its ambition is going to exceed its grasp in some departments. And it does. But like Zach said, like it's charmingly so most of the time. So plot wise I mean should we go through it a little bit? Yeah, the the movie's more about details and about kind of goofy asides. Yeah. But yeah, like the synopsis was pretty comprehensive. So he's yeah. living in a garage. It's contemporary Oakland. He's living in a garage. Terry Crews is his uncle. Yeah. He's got a girlfriend. Tessa who's, Thompson. Who's kind of long suffering. Who's putting up with his with his lifestyle. And she's an artist, and he's unemployed. So he goes to this call center, and, and the uncle needs money. By the here's the Ice Cube plot. Sure, sure. <laughs> his uncle needs money in, in, a, two, in weeks. two weeks. Yeah. So he yeah. goes to this job. They they hire him on the spot, and. He's struggling a little bit. They have this motif where instead of just calling people, he his desk drops into their living space, so it shows how invasive that these calls really are. Yeah. Which I mean, I guess is cool. Like, it's it's a unique way to do it. It's it's a con- silly contrivance, but it's better than probably the alternative, which is just hearing it. Yeah. So, but then but then we get a great cameo by Danny Glover. Yep. Who teaches uh, him how to talk in the white voice, which <laughs> is converted into the voice of David Cross? Yeah, very clearly David Cross. And uh, and what did yeah. everybody think of that? Because that's kind of a big moment where he starts talking in David Cross's voice. Like that's it's a jump. Like they've been peppering in little little weird things here and there, but that's the big weird fork in the road. I wonder how it would have played if I had never seen a trailer of the movie. It would have shocked right. me a little. Yeah, more. it would have been. Yeah. It would have landed harder. It would have been a bigger laugh for sure. But it, that was the trailer, yeah. the teaser I saw as it, well. So and I was like, so your condition, that surprise is kind of gone. Yeah, right. I don't know how you promote this movie without that, sure. but the initial shock was gone from the promos. My yeah. my I, I like it on paper. I think it's great to to say like it sounds really funny. But I think part of the issue is we've seen drunk history so much now. The bar's been raised for this kind of thing. It's not really new. The black man having a white putting on a white voice is new and interesting. But I think Lakeith didn't he, he kind of has a mumbling acting style, and he mm-hmm. didn't differentiate when he was doing the white voice, so we couldn't really see the mouth moving as much. Which I, I agree. I mean, the, his, his co-star, the guy who played Detroit, his lip syncing no, was Detroit, perfect. Detroit's Tessa Thompson. You mean the guy the, the guy whose name we Oh, I'm sorry. Learned. I'm sorry. The power You're, caller. The power caller, right. He had... Uh, 
Pat Oswalt's voice, but he was nailing it. Like it actually sounded yeah, like the, he the was. The ADR sunk up. Yeah, his... like he would, must have been listening to it and like rehearsing yeah. it in a mirror. And you're right. I think Lakeith was just doing his thing, and it, yeah, it didn't work as well. For I me. think I think it would have it would have been funnier if it would have been if he would have put on a different mouth character. He did at times when he beca- when 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 Lakeith became the the power caller too. I thought anytime he's he giggling, the or, David Cross voice. Anytime a he's better. giggling or yeah, being hilarious. like overly like like silly white, <laughs> you know, like oh golly gee, you know, like that's always funny. But um, but anyway, when he, when he basically just gave into the money and the and and the and the insanity of it, I thought the voice melded better with it. So anyway, uh, he he excels in this company, and there's this golden elevator that takes you to the next floor if you get a promotion to this power caller position. Which may or not be real. In the drinking game, every time they say the word power caller, you gotta take a sip for a (laughs) shot. There's a lot of power caller talk. But he's got friends at the at the call center that want to unionize. Steven Yen is is from Walking Dead, yeah. yeah. He's he's the main organizer. And that kind of reminded me of working night shifts at, at Walmart. When we first started working there they showed us a video and they had it was like a horrifying caricature of a union rep (laughs) and they're like if you see somebody trying to unionize they had a guy in like a trench coat like accosting a worker they're like stop and get one of your managers immediately wow and they showed him kicking him out it was great um but so i there's a lot of corporate kind of videos like that in this movie and that vibe kind of reminded me of that so anyway his boss is try to tantalize him by giving him this power power collar upgrade so he finally gets to go upstairs and he breaks the strike line to go up to yeah Yeah. and he meets this guy who has the patent oswald voice and uh shit up until this point i'm kind of like i don't know it it the movie feels aimless meandering (laughs) it's tough zach said the the pacing is herky-jerky it's like i think for directors like the hardest thing besides casting and like building this world or whatever world aesthetic it is is fucking pacing like nobody knows how to like make a movie well, the thing is the movie the movie's got so many ideas and so it is a many first, so many yeah. it is and, a first and they're exciting director. ideas I'd yes say they're also. big ideas they're important yeah. ideas you, you could strip out half to three-fourths of the ideas of this movie and then take whatever's left and expand and go deeper and it would still be plenty for a movie there's a tv show that everyone in america watches where people get the shit beaten out of them that's like really dark yeah kind of like idiocracy and in the background there's always these advertisements for worry free worry free it's like a foxconn yeah it's like a foxconn like live and work environment where people just are slaves indentured servants <laughs> so there's a t- and there's a touch of like Jodorowsky to some of those visuals sure. and end of the call center and end of the protests. Reminded me of uh, yeah. Paul Verhoeven's RoboCop a little bit mm-hmm. too, mm-hmm. with with that kind of over extreme capitalist shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. but so we find out that these power callers are hooking up companies with this indentured servitude labor to save them tons of money. So he's basically. Our hero, our hero is selling his soul to making mega deals. Making mega deals. Not only human trafficking, bucks. but but uh, gun running. They like they they would sell arms as well. All sorts of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I thought the, I mean, coming at it from the beginning, it was clear the filmmaker Boots Riley had a good perspective of what it's like to be poor. Mm-hmm. But then when he had an idea of what it's what the rich are like, it was kind of like 
what the poor people perceive the rich to be. I mean, it was it was very it was broad. Little, it was very broad. Well, one, of, one of my issues with with the film was after he gives his uncle the check to save the house from foreclosure. Why doesn't he just bounce out? You know, like I don't. He doesn't strike. That's how capitalism he's works, brother. That you get, but, but like, why, get a little but, taste. But, but, he's not, but, he's, but he's not seduced if he's like living in a garage and and like he seems happy in the garage in his car. Like, he I just, was happy. He didn't know he was happy because he thought he had to. He thought he had to get more and more and more. Is this That's your first time to the dance, Lucas? Wasn't enough for me. Just no. I just didn't. I just that I'd never set set well with me. Because after he gave his uncle the check, it's like all right, problem solved. You don't have to do this no more. Okay, right. I think I missed a lot in my five minute bathroom trip. Okay, we're gonna you talk. About, we're, we're gonna, gonna talk about this yet, bathroom yeah. trip. Um, <laughs> we can talk about it right fucking now because Please. there this this movie much like a pyramid scheme. There's a multi tiered salad dragon structure to this. The whole movie. movie's a salad dragon. I wouldn't say the whole movie. I would say the movie's batshit, but true salad dragonry comes in the form of both a perfunctory one, because it's so insanely specific. This is the scene that you left for, by the way. Yeah. Um, the Our hero's uh, girlfriend, Detroit, is a uh, performance artist, and she's putting on a show, and they're kind of on the outs, but she's like, you, you gotta come see it. And they're built. She has her own white voice too, which is like a British, a Br- a British woman, Lily Collins, to oh, sell God. her pieces that she yeah. uses to sell her art. But anyway, there's all this uh, tension leading up to her big performance, and she's like, "I hope you stay. I hope you stay." So of course, Bishki leaves, and then <laughs> shit gets real. Um, we should we should always just watch you, Bishki, because whenever you leave, that's, <laughs> something happens. That's when shit goes something down. Something happens. <laughs> And the fact that the lobby bathroom is so far away, it took me a while. But what happened? Okay, so she gets up. She gets up on stage in like a trench coat, and she says something to the effect of, "You know, there are, there are these uh, chemical compounds that are only found in Africa that they use to make cell phones, and they exploit Africa to make this stuff." So. She has cell phones and bullet shells and uh, balloons full of sheep's blood that the audience is encouraged to pick up and throw at her while she reads a monologue from The Last Dragon. <laughs> so The Last Dragon... The Last Dragon the movie. The Last Dragon the movie. Okay. So The Last Dragon being... Barry Gordy's yeah, Being the last an, dragon. an yeah. official Lodge movie and having that be so specific, we'd be remiss not to include it in the canon of The Salad Last Dragons. Salad Dragon. Yeah. Yes. And just yeah. for the record, I have the original Last Dragon one sheet framed in a golden frame in my kitchen oh, as a centerpiece. So it hit, it hit extra hard. And that's exactly what happens. She reads, <laughs> she reads a it's little... It's funny and disturbing all at once. It's, yeah. it's great. It's great. It's you a, know it's, what, Eddie? You're just a midget asshole with dreams of taking over to the world. Yeah. Also from Kew Gardens getting by on my tits <laughs> and, That's exactly and right, right and right before also this scene i think you missed bishki he's invited <laughs> to uh okay, steve lift's party what about the can of coke i missed that too he gets oh, he gets hit he in the breaks head the strike line when he cross, breaks the strike line crossing the spike and he gets videotaped and it goes viral that's what i assume right yes yep. okay. and he becomes a punchline yeah okay yeah and then he has a a bloody bandage around his head for the rest of the movie that's why but he that's gets fair. invited okay, to steve lift's party this I, I, and this could be a big opportunity for him but he has to go to his ex-girlfriend's show so that's what he goes to first. So the Sal head, dragon scene the head of this of this uh indentured servitude cult 
is Army Hammer. More like Smarmy Hammer. Smarmy Hammer. Uh, his name is Steve Lift, which is a great name. It's very funny. And <laughs> I'm going to say, again, I'm not betraying my bone count yet for the rest of the movie, but the party that he is invited to, that section of the movie is like six bones for me. It's, it's yeah. beyond. It's, it, it's, I haven't laughed or like lost control. I didn't just laugh. I lost control. It is the, essential viewing yeah. for anybody within the sound of my voice. That section specifically of the movie. You don't even really need to know what goes on in the rest of the movie to enjoy this section. Yeah. So he goes to this mansion. Army Hammer is introduced with just snorting the longest line of cocaine that you've ever yeah. seen in film history. At least we think it's cocaine. And I knew Army would be good after seeing he, um, he's uh, bananas. Call me by your name. Call me by your name. I knew he's, he's a great. good asshole. Like I knew he, he could play a good asshole. He's great. Lakeith and uh, his his boss, who has the Patton Oswalt voice, they show up together at this party. Only can use your white voices. Only use your white voices. And there's just all these hangers on around Army, and <laughs> he has Lakeith sit. In front of him and all of his party guests, and he which are almost predominantly women, white women, white women, yeah. and he basically is like, you know, I know you can rap, right? Like, well, first he's like, entertain us with stories from the from the ghetto, basically. right? And yeah. he doesn't have any. Yeah. He's like, I know you can rap, right? And he's like, no, I can't. It's actually really embarrassing. Like, I can't rap. And, he, and then they all are just like, rap, 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 rap. rap. yeah, yeah, big chant. <laughs> and so then he he proceeds to kind of stumble into an amazing rap that gets everybody together uh, I'm not going to repeat it just gets the entire audience chanting the n-word over and over it's honestly and, and, and Army Ham it's the look on Army Hammer's face while he watches oh, yeah. everybody Army Hammer's not chanting he's just Bedlam. smiling yeah. Bedlam. Every, everybody's n-word chanting all over the place and he's just looking around kind of like Mr. Miyagi, like, mm-hmm, <laughs> yeah. this is good. And, and just, there's two things to note before we move on from this scene, because I love this scene, is one, the writer-director has made a career as a recording artist, as a yes. rapper, playing for white audiences that are rapping along with his yep. lyrics. Yep. You cannot exclude that from it's the delicious. scene you just watched. Yeah. It's delicious. And the second thing is, Lakeith Stanfield is also a rapper. Uh, he is an actor first, but right. he also makes music, and so, so it's a joke. So the fact is, he actually is actually he's very talented. He even raps in the soundtrack. So, but uh, that scene was delicious, so, delicious, and so, it was only an appetizer. I don't know if you know the the his girlfriend's artwork was also in Army Hammer's house. I didn't notice. Uh, that. Yeah, I noticed That's that. It was, it's one shot, but it's like that the billboard, right? The billboard. Yeah, he puts it up in his house. Like, That's cool. Yeah. Um, so after that, uh, Lakeith is kind of drained from his experience, and everybody in the house is just having a... It's a Bacchanal. An eyes wide shut orgy. Yeah. And his buddy comes and is like, listen, uh, Mr. Lift wants to see you now. He's down the hall to the right, and then down the hall, and then to the left, and he's behind the magenta door. <laughs> so I'm like, holy shit, like what, where is this movie going at this point? I, there's no way I could have known. There's no way anybody could know. 
<laughs> no way. Again, again, no pause way. the fuck now. Pause if, now. If you're going to see this movie. This is some M. Night Shyamalan twist. <laughs> this is this this is Shyamalan to the nth degree. Like This is Sp- this is Spike Jonesian Kaufman the it's it's yeah. off Shyamalan. The scale. This off is the charts. This is Boots Rileyan. Boot, it really is Boots Rileyan. It, it so the man he goes into here. the magenta into the magenta door. And uh, Army Hammer's sitting there. He offers him a line, and he's like, "You know what? At this point, fuck it." He snorts this whole big line off this off this plate with a horse on it, Mister Bobo. Mister <laughs> Bobo. <laughs> and he's he's like, "Listen, I want you to come work for me at this. What is it called? Live, live well. Worry free. Worry free. Yeah. I want you to come work for me at Worry Free. And uh, but first, I want to watch. I want you to watch this video, <laughs> and then I'm going to make you an offer." And he's like, I gotta go pee, man. Like, I can't watch that right now. So he tells him where to go. He's like, you go to the bathroom. It's down the hall behind the jade door. So he goes down the hall, and there's a couple greenish doors. (laughs) Yeah, olive, forest. He picks one of them, and it's this kind of... Uh, David David Fincherian. It felt like he was going into a like, gas chamber. I thought it was a yeah. shower, a gas yeah. shower for like Holocaust. Yeah, was, I thought it was it was Holocaust reminiscent. Yeah, same. It was, it was fucked up. Um, <laughs> it was bad. But there's, there's so there's one stall that's closed, and you see that somebody's in it. And again, this might be one of the greatest moments in cinema history for me. But there's somebody in there, and he's like, "Yo, man, are you are you coming or going?" And he's like, "I need help. <laughs> I need help." And so he's like, okay, well, uh, I can't help you. And he's like, ah, I need help. So then, out of nowhere, bursting out of the cell door and onto the floor is a human-horse hybrid with a giant dick. An equestrian sapien. or Equisapien. 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 And he's just writhing around the ground. It looks like practical makeup effects like it looks real like if bojack it's horseman kind of was an actual looking. guy yeah. it's pretty it is, ex- they spent budget on this that's where all money went that's where all and, the and money that's went. when you as so a, as a cocks. filmmaker when you know i was thinking like man he's, he oh put the God. money in the right fucking yes, place right god right between the eyes and then there's two more and there's several two- more they're they, coming out of the out of the stalls it, it suddenly it makes a left turn into the island of dr monroeville yeah, it is amazing. So he runs the fuck out of there as anyone would, and uh, and they're like, "Help us, help us!" And he's like, "Holy shit!" And he just, yeah, he bounces because he's also like, he's just did a huge line of coke. Also. Yeah, and he and he runs out, slams right smack dab into Smarmy Hammer's villainous gloating CEO. He's got a gun, now. holding a silver, yeah, pearl handled pistol automatic, and is like, "We gotta talk." So we won't we won't go through point by point the rest of the movie. Let's just to say that it keeps getting funnier keeps, and more outlandish. It keeps getting crazier. There's yeah. animation. The the, the Equisapiens keep Clay- showing up. There's claymation Equisapiens. That a master plan is like revealed. the California raisins kind of claymation. It's it's amazing. <laughs> Everything about that sequence is incredible. It, it it to me like nothing can ever top that before or after. So. We, we kind of get out of that section, and then it's kind of his mad dash to find his... his, his things mor- come to a head. Things come to a head. <laughs> he's got he's to find his morals again and uh, save the day by doing what's right and exposing the Equisapien. Yeah, they do get into a union clash. 
Yeah. Shares the video. The Equisapiens yeah. beat down the cops. Yeah, it's, the, it's pretty uneven. I mean, we're making it sound like this is an action-packed thrill ride. I mean, but this, I mean, honestly, no joke. The first act was like an hour long. Like yeah. I was waiting for some shit to happen, and when finally some shit started to happen. It was like what? There's like only 30 minutes of the movie yeah. left. You know, I was kind of like, I kind of, I kind of wish the horse people showed up a hell of a lot sooner. Yeah, and saying. yet, and yet, I mean, it's, once they, once the Equisapiens appear, you got it. You got. I don't know how much you're on borrowed time yes, at that point. Yes, like, I, I, I felt like it went on too long after the high of that party sequence. Like, I know you need to see them slowly turn around and and do what's right, but it's. I was buzzing so hard on that. I was gasping for fucking air. Yeah. I was holding on. I was clawing the chair for my life. I have not been so delighted, deliriously delighted, with an insanely unexpected scene in a, in a movie like that. In maybe, <laughs> maybe not since I saw Being John Malkovich with sure. zero preparation. Oh, that's nice. In, in oh. the movie theater mm. when I was in college, that's I great. think I can compare it to that. Mm. That. 20, 25 minutes of that. Yeah, sequence. you know what's interesting is I thought of being John Malkovich as well. Like that kind of popped into my mind when he was, especially in the first half, when he's working in the call center mm-hmm. because right. he definitely had yeah. this, this Merton Flummer building yes, vibe. Yes, yes. Um, Bishke, what are you feeling during all this? I was in this movie because it, it's politically oriented. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm always, beneath all the weirdness, I'm trying to follow the political through line yeah, of, sure. the, of the of the of the politics which are definitely leftist um very and yeah and so but i'm just in, you know in terms of how complex it becomes I, it was pretty you know like any michael moore film pretty conventional for me in terms of the how the politics played out sure. he goes up rises up the corporate ladder and then he goes back to the union workers and says we got to deal with this you know act local think, think global. global is that what i'm saying <laughs> yeah yeah you know the revolution will not be televised because he tries to go on tv and he doesn't do that but the weirdness was on such a level that it, that it didn't bother me too much that it was kind of simplistic i thought you, you wanted the you wanted the politics to hit you at different angles new angles uh, yeah because i wasn't being i wasn't throwing curveballs with the politics stuff right. of it like i thought it, it was pretty but there were enough curveballs slapping you enough. in the face in other in other <laughs> exactly areas. exactly that it kept me entertained i thought yeah. was well, something very poignant i agree it was very like it was the classic fable rise rise and fall and the guy loses his way but it was like again it was as you expect if you know about Boots Riley it's like a lot of communism workers rights unionism mm-hmm. yeah you're right it's not it's kind of just the um, the surface level of those themes but yeah. i thought what spoke to this moment very well was after we see that insane uh, Equisapien sequence, <laughs> mm-hmm. and he tries to tell the world, and he's kind of like, like, call your senators, call your yeah. congresspeople. And the and, and Lakeith Stanfield's like exasperated because no one really does it. Like, it's, they're making more money than ever. Steve and Lift gets gets publicity for his horse people, right. and he's on yeah. top of the world. And Steve, and he, and so Lakeith Stanfield meets his old buddies and tries to make up with them <laughs> and plot what their next move is. And Steve Yen. Stephen Yen says to him something like, "When you what is the line? It's like if you get used to something, something is so crazy. But if you get used to it, it it ceases to become upsetting anymore." I just yeah, something like that. It was a really well 
succinct, like well phrased, succinct line that spoke entirely to the weekly insanity and outrage it is to live under Donald Trump as the president of the United States. You're talking about Donald J. Trump. Donald, Donald J. J. Trump. Yeah, no, it did. That, it, it did capture the weirdness that I say Mother had that kind of weirdness too mm-hmm. when it went off the charts. Zach, weird do you know about end. that movie yet? Mother have not seen it. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, that that movie goes off <laughs> the charts and feels feels of its time uh, in the Trump era. <laughs> There, there's a there's a line that I just remembered that must the, we must shine a light on it because it might be I, I don't even know how to categorize it but I lost my shit when I heard it. It's Danny Glover's at the bar, and he's talking about the power callers, <laughs> and he says, you know, the shit that we sell ain't like the shit yeah. that they sell, and Lakeith is like, so that <laughs> you're basically saying it would be like comparing apples to oranges and Danny Glover perfect deadpan is like no it's like comparing apples to the holocaust <laughs> <laughs> I, I lost it at that line that was one of what? my favorite yeah. lines in the whole oh movie oh my god yeah. <laughs> yeah. and to have Danny Glover's like Danny, Danny Glover was in rare form Danny yeah. Glover's got oh, like so 10 good. more great movies so in him good. if someone could just give him the part yeah, like, yeah. Holy no she was shit. hilarious there was and a little, dark there was, dark a, there was a little wink back to Lethal Weapon when he like asked him a question and he was like get out there and dance why aren't you dancing and he's like I'm too old for this shit right 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 yeah, yeah. no Danny Glover he I'm was funny man team Glover all the way yes, sir. yes. bring bring him no, bring him great. the good Shit. He's great. And and uh, another small little footnote: Glover is buddies with Boots Riley's father from way back. Oh, in there the day. you go. Oh, okay. And so he's mm. known Glover his entire life growing. Yeah, because I'm oh, wondering yeah. how do you get Glover out to do? Well, well Forrest Whitaker was a producer on the movie and also yes. a voice of the head Equo Sapien. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. That's a good little great. bit of trivia. Yeah, that's great. All right. Well, let's get to the bones. Yep. You can add any more uh, personal touches that you need to while you deliver your bones. I'm gonna I'm gonna start with uh, Lodge's resident hothead, brother Lucas. Yeah, you know I uh, I definitely enjoyed the film, um, but it did lag for me uh, throughout. Like it was, I mean, the very first act was a drag. Like I was really waiting for it to kind of like kick in you know like get to the elevator go upstairs already and after a while they kept talking about the power crawlers and i was kind of sick of it i was like all right we got it like fucking get there get to the fireworks factory already and then by the time we did get to the fireworks factory and i was like on the edge of my seat like yeah kind of like lost that momentum with it's like you know multiple uh, montages and like endings and <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it kind of, like, ended, you know, like, the movie ends, and then there's, like, you know, a film by Boots Riley, Sorry to Bother You, and then it's, like, the, the post credit scene where uh, we, we left out the, 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 the biggest part at the end of the movie when Lakeith Stanfield finally comes to his senses and moves back into his uncle's garage and <laughs> kisses and makes up with his girlfriend. As he's closing his garage door, he, like, hits his nose on a shelf, and we think, oh, he just hit his nose on a shelf, and when he turns around, he is morphine into an Equo Sapien. He's got a horse nose. Because he did snort this like powder that he thought was cocaine, which clearly wasn't. I think we're forgetting like, yeah, the the part where 
where Smarmy Hammer was trying to convince him to turn into a horse to mm-hmm. go work to at become the, and the yeah. MLK yeah. of the horse. Yeah, world. that was that was that was crazy. <laughs> Very important point. But anyway, Amazing um, I, it, I, I clapped during that. Yeah. I give it I give yeah. it two and a half bones because it is pretty rough around the edges and it's kind of bursting at the seams with ideas. But at the same time, it's just it's uneven and lopsided and and it's just like it's tough. It's kind of a tough watch and I don't think that movie would be for everyone. So I give it two and a half. Crossfire. Brother Sluice. Yeah, I mean, everything LT is saying is not untrue. Um, and I'd even, just to his point about the beat at the end with uh, Lakeith turning into a horse, it's like, it doesn't quite hit, because I don't know if it's the way he filmed it. No, it like, doesn't hit at all. It doesn't hit. No, And I doesn't. feel like it's not because I'm, I, I, sh- I, there's not a way to make it hit or I to make it feel I think they went back surprised. to the horse well one too many times. Yeah. It, it might have been that. Um, I mean, but there are just moments throughout where I don't know if he just didn't, he didn't use coverage and editing in a way to punch something and, and to, to, to hit his punchlines in a way that, it was just like the rhythm, which is interesting for a musician because I felt like, the rhythm of things was a little off. Mm-hmm. And so I agree, it was bursting at the seams. It was hot and cold the whole damn time. <laughs> and yet, I'm so happy to see a movie where someone is just unabashedly doing something different, doing something not just for the sake of being different, but doing something uh, with a real idea of... A, of you know, ideas they're exploring. It and felt kind of like a '90s indie, like absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. Wrist Cutter is a love story. Yeah, but it was so much better than Wrist Cutter. No, I know, I mean, but like, I just mean like, yeah, it's a first film. It's threadbare. Yeah. What are your bones, boy? Shaggy. Yeah, well, so it, bones are tough because <laughs> you know, tough. I, I, you know, I guess full I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it three. Okay. And it's not nearly as polished or as or as masterful as like a three-bone film would be. And this movie, if this was like his fourth film and and he was progressing up to this film and he had... It is ambitious And he had like 15 or $20 million instead of probably like $3 million to make this movie, he he could have knocked this out of the park and it might have been a four-bone classic. Right. You know, it truly... The guy is incredibly creative it's and talented. It's going to be interesting to see where he goes. I would yeah. love to see yeah. his next film. For sure. Um, this was, an, for me, I forgive all of its flaws because this guy is unique. He's exciting, deadly funny, so strange, and unabashedly uh, himself. So it was a very enjoyable and, and rough around the edges three bones. Three bones. Yeah. Professor Bishki. The movie definitely tops Spike Lee's Chirac, which is a bizarre, <laughs> very bizarre film that I saw of Spike Lee's a few years back. And it, but it has that kind of level of, of weirdness to it. Um, I thought, um, like as I mentioned, the politics and the overall arc of the film were pretty predictable. But the weirdness was just so consistent that I uh, enjoyed it. Recommend seeing it. Um, again, the bonus are tough, but let me give it... Mm, Mm. Two and a half. Oh, okay. There it is. There it is. You've been a tough judge lately. I'm a tough cookie. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, you're a sweet cookie. I'm, <laughs> you are. You're very sweet as well. I, I'm i going to say I fluctuate so wildly throughout this movie. I was pinging it four a couple <laughs> times. I was pinging it six. 
there I think I think overall I'd say it's a two and a half bone movie. But because of that six bone sequence, yeah, holy mm-hmm. shit! Didn't you want to see the Echo Sapiens like rape Smarmy Hammer? Like, I mean, they would have been. I would have <laughs> given it three and a half if like like because Army Hammer like a selling point to Lakeith Stanfield was like, and you get to have a big horse cock. And I'm thinking like, God, he's got to get his comeuppance. Like he's got to get his well, comeuppance. Well, they were about to give his comeuppance, and they already made a sculpture. They had the protest I, I sculpture know, where he's I getting fucked, where he's fucking a horse. They couldn't, I know. They couldn't. But they should have ended on that image. I think that would have been great. <laughs> mom, mom, I hope you're listening to this. Episode. Wow. Um, but anyway, I'm going to average it out at three bones. I think that's the correct. That's the correct and just. That's probably rating. right. That's probably right. Because the ambition is huge. If if the ambition is outsized and. And it makes the movie makes me happy on a huge level more than once. I I, I gotta give it three. I gotta give it three. It it, it deserves it. It's it an really encouragement. Does. The most ambitious film of the year. It's an encouragement. Easily. Three bones. Like yeah. I'm like. I'm glad. To I'm, see, I'm I'm looking forward to see where he goes. From I'm gonna here. dole out three. Give me give me three and a half four next time. I believe in you. So pair pair the man with. Uh, a, a really seasoned producer who's going to mm-hmm. steer the ship tighter n- and and force him uh, to find his way in in a little more constrained boxes that knows what the budget is actually going to yeah. deliver for him uh, on his ambition next time. It's going to be great. And uh, bring back Danny Glover. For bring, sure. bring back. I want Glover in the lead of his Glover, next exactly. Glover yeah. number yeah. one. Glover number one. Yeah. Above the title. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, bring him back. Yeah. He's great. We got bothered. That was beautiful. Hot and bothered. I had a great time with you guys at the Americana. Good wholesome time. (laughs) What do you think the audience thought? Just out of... I heard heard someone walk out saying they hated it. I heard heard someone coming out, yeah. You're going to love it or hate it. There was one guy that was definitely laughing throughout. Oh, there there was was a super fan in the theater. He laughed louder than all of us. There was a guy. There were people looking at him. There was a De Niro Cape Fear gentleman. I ran into two people that I knew on the elevator, and they were, turns out they were in the screening, and I couldn't even tell if they loved it no, or it, not. I think they were in it. shock. They said it was so intense. They'd been yeah. through it. I was it. like, intense? They're like, my yeah. wife's never seen a horse cock that big before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She's seen a great many, but none that big. But I, I need to also give a shout-out to a concession, a young concession man who helped me get some popcorn. I smelt. We had just smoked. I had, I went in there. I wasn't planning on getting popcorn. I smelled it. It was it was ambrosia from the gods. I was like, mmm, that's that smells great. Let me get a small popcorn. He filled it up, and right after he filled it up, the corn runneth over, and there was fresh popcorn. So I I I I took a little bite, and it was chewy and stale and gross. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. I went back there and I'm like, hey man, is there any way you could hook me up with some of that fresh stuff? And there was another woman that was working there that looked and was like, this is very bad. What's going to happen? And he took my popcorn and he's like, oh, you want me to, uh, hmm. And we had this kind of standoff and he just dumped it back in on the side and filled it with some of that fresh, fresh, fresh. And it Lucas, was great. Lucas can attest. That Dude, was it, was the be- it was the best popcorn I've oh had in like God. over 20 years or 10 years. Like the best in the entire city. Like oh. I've never, better than Arclight's premium corn. So if there's anything. a moral to this story, if you see an injustice and you want justice, get justice. Steezy justice. I think Boots Riley would co sign. Oh, yeah. he would. He would be so proud of him. On the ground level, let's unite, folks. Yeah, we, we need to unite. Power to the people. <laughs>
Hang it up! Light of the popcorn! Love and light. Upper management, we are hanging up. Phones down. Phones down. Getting by on my tits.